He was an ordinary man who was a good steward of the things God gave him. He cultivated those gifts, those natural talents. They were not necessarily the kinds of talents one would have identified as those of a future saint. But he used those gifts that God gave him faithfully and generously and allowed the Lord to lead him. He said yes to the promptings of grace in his life and was very generous in his response. So God calls us all to be holy. All of us are called to sanctity. But the path that each of us walks is uniquely ours. Bishop Paul Coakley, Archbishop of the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City, on Father Stanley Rother. Everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the America of America podcast. As always, I'm Will Milam and I will be your host. This week, uh, I'm actually back in Dallas, Texas. For the last couple episodes, I've been back in Oklahoma City. I'm down here for interviews and as well as uh, preparing for the bar exam, which is going to be uh, less than two weeks from the release of this episode. So, uh, yeah, it's been weighing heavily on my mind, but. Um, this week's uh, topic is going to be something that, you know, it's, uh, if you're ever feeling like you're in a rut or things are hard, you can always think about the concept of martyrdom and it kind of puts your problems in perspective. And uh, with that, let's get started with our episode on Blessed Stanley Rother. And I guess as a short digression, um, this is obviously a, an episode about a Catholic, um, a beatified Catholic, not saint, but a blessed, so the, the second rate in the hierarchy second rank in the hierarchy, excuse me. Um, this uh, podcast isn't meant to be explicitly religious by nature. Uh, I sp- chose Stanley Rother as the topic because his feast day is uh, 10 days from the recording of this episode and probably within a week of when this episode comes out. And so I thought that it was interesting because Stanley Rother is the first uh, U.S.-born Catholic martyr. Um, so by any stretch of the imagination, even for purely secular purposes, I think that that's a pretty important thing to have uh, from the state of Oklahoma, which is why we're doing this as a topic. So if you have uh, no interest in the Catholic Church or if you have a a hatred of the Catholic Church, um, which I know a lot of people who have both, who listen to this, but that's perfectly fine. Uh, I think that you'll both get something from this episode. So I recommend that you continue listening on. So Stanley Francis Rother was born on March 27th of 1935 in Okarchi, Oklahoma, to Gertrude Smith and Franz Rother, who uh, come, came from a German Catholic background. Okarchi itself is a smaller town, a uh, farming town, west of Oklahoma City, but close enough to where you can make a dedicated road trip out there in a day. Uh, and it's very famous for having um, what's called Eichens Bar, which is thought to be one of the oldest bars in the state of Oklahoma, at least one of the oldest still operating, and is also known for having by far the best fried chicken in the entire state of Oklahoma, and I would argue probably the best fried chicken in a couple states area. It's it's become very famous for uh, their fried chicken, and people 
will come from many states specifically to go dine there. So that's a little tidbit that if you're listening to this and you have a chance to go, I'd highly recommend that you uh, make that visit to Okarchi. Like many of his contemporaries growing up in Okarchi, uh, Father Rother uh, was a farmhand or spent a lot of time working on his family's farm and developed a lot of those agricultural skills. But upon finishing high school, decided that he was going to go be a priest. So instead of either going through college to decide to go to seminary or to do some farm work and deciding to do seminary, he just went straight from seminary to high school and then moved to San Antonio, Texas, which is a little bit further from where I am now, but certainly closer than Okarchi is. So one can only imagine that moving from a small Oklahoma town to a city like San Antonio was probably a massive, massive cultural change for Father Rother. And this change would not come easy. Uh, Father Rother would actually spend his time in San Antonio at two different seminaries. He started off at St. John's Seminary for two years. <clears throat> Excuse me before moving to Assumption Seminary, which was also in San Antonio, Texas. But he would leave that seminary because his grades were poor. Um, He was known to be a great worker. He would be a sacristan, worked in gardening, and he was known to be very good at that. But the actual education to become a priest or to become a theologian was something that Father Rother at first struggled with. So after Father Rother had his struggles in San Antonio, he returned to Oklahoma where he, his father, and one of the local priests in Okarchi went to go see the current Archbishop of Oklahoma City, Bishop Victor Reed. And from there, they would arrange for Father Rother to go study at Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Maryland. And this seemed to stick. Uh, Father Rother's grades were much better, and he would eventually be ordained into the priesthood in 1963. Father Rother's early pastoral career consisted largely of being shifted around parishes in the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City, specifically in Tulsa, and the Diocese of Tulsa, which is a subdiocese of the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City. Uh, this included a stint at the Holy Family Cathedral in Tulsa, which is another I've harped about great architecture in Oklahoma before. Uh, The Holy Family Cathedral in Tulsa is another piece of great Oklahoma architecture that if you have the opportunity to go see, it's a a very good kind of neo-Gothic revival building. Um, Even if you have no interest in going to Mass there, I would highly recommend going to take a look. And Father Rother spent time there, but he didn't really stand out as a priest uh, in, in any of these capacities. Around this time was when Father Rother got word that there was needs of Oklahoma missionaries to go down to Guatemala to minister to the Sutehill people. If I'm mispronouncing Sutehill, uh, please let me know. I, I, I'm probably butchering the name. I don't mean to. I've been looking for phonetic pronunciations, and I've just, just so far I've had no luck. But the Sutehill people are a native ethnic group in Guatemala. And they're one of the remaining Maya ethnic groups uh, from pre-Columbian Central and South America. So obviously a very, very old people. Their specific civilization can be dated as starting in the post-classic Maya period. So this would be circa 900 to 1500 AD uh, is when the civilization would have flourished mostly. Uh, And this would take place in the Guatemalan highlands, so uh, a central part of the country. And obviously, um, things changed after European contact. 
But by the mid 20th century, the Catholic Church had set up a fairly prominent mission in the area uh, to convert those peoples. And uh, Father Rother would have been a volunteer for this mission that was specifically focused on Oklahoma missionaries and Oklahoma priests specifically a priest, because at the time there wasn't really a permanent priest for the people, which obviously is very difficult, if, especially if you're uh, in a religion like the Catholic Church, which requires priests to uh, bless and uh, administer sacraments. So uh, it was imperative that they were able to take a priest from America and have a semi-permanent priest in the area. Though Father Rother might have been uh, a subpar student in school and at seminary, he took this job very seriously. He took his studies for this vocation very seriously. Uh, Father Rother immediately would learn the native language as well as Spanish. Um, the uh, Sudahil language was actually unwritten, so he had to learn it from another missionary down there. So it was interesting that it was kind of a different way of learning the language because he had to learn it literally orally. And this seemed to work out, and he picked up the language fairly quickly, and he picked it up Spanish. So uh, Father Rother was implanted uh, amongst the Sutahipil people in central Guatemala starting in 1968. Father Rother's early activities included uh, saying mass in the native Sutahipil language, uh, as well as going and he uh, translated the Old Testament into a duly formed written Sutahihil language. Father Rother and another missionary, Father Ramon Carlin, would also set up a, uh, a newly founded hospital in the late uh, 1960s in the area, so um, was keeping himself very busy at that time. In the native Sutahihil language, there is not a name for Stanley, uh, so that obviously made um, Speaking a little bit difficult if there's no direct translation of Father Stanley Rother's name. Thankfully, there was a word for Francis, uh, undoubtedly, um, undoubtedly taken from the uh, founder of the Franciscan Order, St. Francis, who probably they made a translation to his name. So amongst uh, the Sutihil people, uh, Father Rother was known as Padre Aplas, which would be translated as Father Francis. So to him, he was actually Father Francis Rother instead of Father Stanley Rother. Amongst his early activities, which would have the most weight for what would eventually happen to Father Rother in Guatemala, was his establishing a radio station. Uh, Father Rother pretty early on uh, established a radio station where he could preach in the Sutihil language to, uh, to all the, uh, the native peoples of the area. Uh, and this became fairly popular and it became fairly uh, big in that the radio station would hire people um, individually. And now that we're moving into the latter part or the, the ending of Father Rother's life, we're going to have to turn to the political situation in Guatemala that was going on at the time. Obviously, you can't really tell the story without it. Now, this, uh, the relationship between communism, Marxism in Central and South America in the 20th century is a massively interesting and dense area of conversation, and a lot of good books have been written on it. 
I can't do that justice here. I probably couldn't do it justice in a long form podcast because it's just not my area of expertise. So I am going to try to give the the barest bone 30,000 feet view of what was going on in Guatemala leading up to the assassination of Father Rother as best I can. If you've got political problems with what I'm going to say, uh, you can go ahead and address those in an email. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to do this with the least amount of editorializing as physically possible, but I, I'm, I'm very aware that I'm not an expert and I could get it wrong. But from a very broad perspective, so obviously the struggle between the struggle between communism and not communism in Latin, Central, and South America had been going on for some time, even as late as 1954. In 1954, in Guatemala, was the beginning of the 1954 Guatemala coup d'état. Uh, between the Guatemalan government and military and uh, the Guatemalan uh, rebel exiles who were the right-wing government. Uh, this coup d'etat was orchestrated um, by Carlos uh, Castillo Armas, uh, who was being funded and supported by uh, President Dwight D. Eisenhower of the United States, as well as Alan Dulles. This coup d'etat uh, took out of power Jacobo Arbenes, who was the previous president of Guatemala, who was a uh, far left leader. This struggle would continue for decades, literally. And in for purposes of our story, in 1978, uh, Fernando Romero Lucas Garcia became president of Guatemala. The 1978 Guatemalan presidential election is now universally thought to have just been uh, filled with fraud. So we, we have no way of knowing uh, if Lucas Garcia was actually democratically elected to this position or if he just took it with the votes. Uh, you can make that decision for yourself. But you did see that this was a real rebuke um, by force of the left-wing movements in Guatemala and one of the uh, the beginning of the systematic targeting and uh, extrajudicial killing of Garcia's political opponents who were seen as uh, counterinsurgents, um, political radicals, leftists, and one of the groups that Garcia targeted largely was the Catholic Church. Father Rother specifically commented on the situation at the time, writing, and I quote, The country is in rebellion and the government is taking it out on the church. The low wages that are paid, the few that are excessively rich, the bad distribution of land, these are some of the reasons for widespread discontent. The church seems to be the only force that is trying to do something about the situation, and therefore the government is after us. So it appears that Father Rother was very much bought in, which is probably true that uh, the Catholic Church at the time was kind of seen as a as a, a bunch of left-wing do-gooders and therefore was being targeted by this, uh, by this far-right government. And by 1980, Father Rother was actually warned that he was on a right-wing uh, list for assassination and that his life was in danger and that he should go ahead and flee the country. Between 1978 and 1980, some 20 villagers in uh, Father Rother's village had disappeared, presumably were murdered by the government. And Father Rother would actually eventually return to Okarchi, Oklahoma in January of 1981. And after a short stay in Okarchi, which uh, his sister, who would become a nun, would describe as one of the times that she really wished that she wouldn't have seen him because he was extremely despondent and racked with guilt about fleeing his people. 
Father Rother would go to the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City and ask for permission to return to Guatemala, saying, quote, my people need me. I can't stay away from them any longer, unquote. And the Archdiocese would actually grant Father Rother's request, and he would return to Guatemala in April of 1981. It is not too far to say that Father Rother probably knew that he was returning to his death. What happened next has been transcribed and re-evaluated and retold and to a large extent has become legend. In the early hours, in the early morning of July 28, 1981, there was an assassination squad that was sent to Father Rother's rectory in his village. And Father Rother was sleeping in a room on the first floor rather than his bedroom. And one of his priest's uh, younger brothers was forced to lead the assassins to uh, where Father Rother was staying. And instead of fleeing, Father Rother opened the door and eventually uh, his last words uh, were, kill me here. And after that, Father Rother was shot and murdered and died on the floor of his rectory in that early morning. It was said that during the day after uh, Father Rother died, or the day the later the day that Father Rother died, that over a thousand individual people came by the rectory and would stand silently and prayed. Father Rother's funeral mass was so large that the pews and the benches had to be physically taken out of the church to accommodate more people, and most pe- many people still had to stand outside. Father Rother's body would be returned to the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City, but his heart would be removed from his body and would remain in Guatemala. And to this day, Father Rother's body is buried in Okarchi outside Holy Trinity Catholic Church. The name on his headstone reads Padre Aplas, which was the local name given him by the village people. The cause for beatification, the formal process by which Uh, an individual becomes a saint or a blessed or a servant of God in the Catholic Church uh, for Father Rother began in 2007 when the cause was actually had to first be taken up in the local parish and the local diocese, excuse me, in Guatemala. And that's because uh, for the causes of these beatifications, uh, it has to be done where the individual died. But that was soon transferred to the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City, who would take it on from there. In 2009, Pope Benedict XVI would give Father Rother the title of Servant of God. In 2016, Pope Francis issued a decree uh, declaring that Father Rother died in odium fidei, which translates to in hatred of the faith, uh, declaring his status as a martyr. And finally, in 2017, at the Cox Convention Center, which is the second arena, the first uh, large arena in downtown Oklahoma City being the, I think right now it's called the Chesapeake Energy Arena. I'm not 100% on that. Please, someone double check me. Uh, but the Cox Convention Center, which I think is now a, a, I think it's now a movie studio, but at the time was, a, was, a, was an arena, and it sat more than 20,000 people who came to see the beatification mass, whereby... Uh, Cardinal Angelo Amato in place of the Pope, as well as with our own uh, Archbishop Coakley in Oklahoma City, uh, performed the Mass that for the beatification of Father Rother. And at the time, Father Rother was the first native-born Oklahoma to be Oklahoman to be beatified in the Catholic Church, which is why now we refer to him as Blessed Stanley Rother. 
And at the time of this recording, there is a mission church uh, in Decatur, Arkansas, that is going to be named after uh, Blessed Stanley Rother. Um, and in the Oklahoma City Diocese, uh, right now there's going to be a shrine to Blessed Stanley Rother being built in South Oklahoma City. If uh, you're driving through Oklahoma City uh, going south towards Moore, uh, I can't remember the exact cross streets, but if you just keep a lookout on that west side of the highway, you can actually see its building progress. Uh, you know, this is being recorded and going to be released in July of 2021. So if you listen to this a year from now, I have no idea how it's going to look. Uh, so far, I think the the plans look good. The progress looks good. So I'm excited to see that, that church be completed. And ladies and gentlemen, we're going to leave off with Blessed Stanley Rother uh, there today. There, there's more details that hopefully we'll go into at one time. Uh, for now, I wanted to just give you a brief overview of his life and his death and the cause of his beatification. Um, I think the beatification process is something that we're going to go over more in depth, probably uh, hopefully within the next year, uh, specifically for Father Rother. But I, I do hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Um, as always, I'm very grateful to you, the listener, to everybody who helps out with this podcast. Uh, please uh, continue to listen. Please continue to like and subscribe. Uh, if you have any friends who are you know interested in obscure history, maybe an obscure history of a place like Oklahoma City, please continue to recommend this podcast to them. I, I, I like I said, I, I'm, I'm in it to uh, to to start a conversation about Oklahoma, a place that I love, and I'm just so grateful that I'm able to do that, even though it's obviously taken up a lot of my not a lot of my free time that I don't seem to have very much of lately. But, you know, I'm, that doesn't mean I'm not glad to be here, and I'm glad that you're here. And with that, I'm Will Milam, and this is the America of America podcast. I'll see you next week.